This is Ready to Real Estate, a TREB podcast. Each month, we interview experts in the field, discuss the data, and explore all facets of the housing market. Whether you're a first-time homebuyer or a seasoned real estate professional, you will benefit from our insightful conversations and gain property intelligence as we discover more about the key issues shaping our industry. Now here's our host, Jason Mercer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ready to Real Estate. I'm your host, Jason Mercer, TREB's Chief Market Analyst. In Ontario, landlords are bound by a set of legal obligations to their tenants, which can complicate the buying and selling of a rental property. A seller may need to consider how to legally remove a tenant before a sale. A buyer may take on tenants already living in a property rather than getting it vacant. For buyers, sellers, and realtors, it's important to stay on the right side of the law when dealing with tenanted properties. To help us understand the legal details, we're joined today by Bita Delisi, a property manager, licensed paralegal, real estate broker, and TREB instructor. She's the owner of Stonegate Legal Services, a Toronto paralegal firm that focuses on landlord and tenant issues. Welcome to the podcast, Bita. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me, Jason. So let's jump right in. I mean, the the Residential Tenancies Act in Ontario sets out the rights and responsibilities of landlords and of tenants in residential properties. Could you briefly outline the the obligations of each under this act? Absolutely. I will. I mean, there's there's many obligations, but I will outline the main uh, obligations of each. So let's start by the landlord. The landlord has the obligation and is responsible for maintenance and repairs okay they should be frequently inspecting the property both the interior and exterior if it's a single family home or if it's an apartment building uh, for any um, anything that needs to be repaired anything that should be maintained anything that requires preventative maintenance uh, so forth and so on the tenant has the responsibility to pay the rent. Even if there are outstanding maintenance issues that have not been tended to by the landlord. This is really important because many tenants, uh, Jason, they take the position that, you know, if if a landlord doesn't maintain the property, then I'm going to stop paying rent, rent. The problem is, is when they stop paying rent, and this happens to most tenants, all it takes is for them to fall behind one or two months And then it becomes a domino effect. It it gets very hard for them to catch up. So they have the obligation to pay the rent. Uh, Both parties, both the landlord and tenants, cannot change the locks without providing a key to the other. That's another responsibility or obligation. The The tenant has to provide a key upon changing the lock to the landlord, and the landlord has to provide a key upon changing the locks to the tenant. Uh, Otherwise, the landlord can pursue an application to the board to request a copy of the key, and the tenant can pursue an illegal lockout application through the board, and that comes with strong cost consequences against the landlord. Uh, Other other things that are, you know, that involve both parties is, of course, the right to privacy, the right to peaceful and quiet enjoyment, the right not to be... um, the right not to be harassed, so forth and so on. But those are, you know, rent and maintenance are the main obligations of the landlord and the tenants. 
Understood. Now you had mentioned the quote unquote, the board a couple of times. Now I know a lot of our members are, are um, certainly active in the rental market on behalf of both, you know, renters and, and, uh, and, and landlords and maybe just explain briefly what the board is. Absolutely. So when I say the board, I'm referring to the landlord and tenant board. Okay. The landlord and tenant board basically hears and resolves or tries to resolve disputes between landlords and tenants. Either party can apply to the board for a matter to be heard. The board, when it was in person, when matters were being heard in person, was that of a court-like setting. I see. Now, right? So now all matters are being heard virtual, online, and over the phone. But that's the, the mandate of the board. One other thing, the mandate of the board, Jason, is to, to, to protect against unlawful evictions and unlawful rent increases. I see. Okay. Well, th th that that certainly, I think, provides a little bit of clarity, especially for people that may be new to the whole uh, rental scene um, in, in Ontario and certainly the, the 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 greater Toronto area. Now, a term that's come up uh, uh, before is that of of secured of tenure, uh, and and it's used in Ontario's Residential Tenancies Act. What does that phrase mean? And and certainly vis-a-vis -vis the, the the board that you just described. Okay, so that's a wonderful question, but I'm just going to back up just a little bit, okay? Before we get into security of tenure, I'm going to, to, to let you know that because our firm provides support to agents throughout Ontario, many agents call me and they ask me questions, and these are the top three questions I get asked at least daily from agents. They call me and they say, hey, Bita, can we evict the tenants to sell a property? Right. Or the tenant isn't allowing for showings, can we kick them out? Or the landlord's lease is coming to an end. Can we give them notice to move out? And the hard answer to all these three questions is a hard no. Right. The reason, Jason, it's a hard no is because tenants have security of tenure. That, it's actually in the Residential Tenancies Act. And what that means is that they are entitled to continue their tenancy after the lease term comes to an end right. on a month-to-month -month basis. So a, a landlord cannot just end tenancy because the lease is coming to an end or because the tenant is not allowing for showings or because, you know, uh, for whatever reason, they're not getting along, so forth and so on. Tenants have the right to end the tenancy. In fact, a tenancy can only be terminated in one of three ways. Okay, so number one, if the tenant decides to leave and gives notice. Right. Number two, by mutual agreement, okay. kind of like a mutual release, right? And number three, by way of a court or a board order. That's it. Other, other than that, Jason, tenants have security of tenure. That's interesting. And I think it's a nice segue into the next question I had, because, you know, you're working uh, with a lot of, of TREB member realtors and certainly other realtors from, from around the province. And, and certainly thinking from TREB's perspective, I mean, our members help investor owners rent out tens of thousands of rental units each year, um, condominium apartments and, and, and otherwise. And, and we've also seen from our most recent round of consumer polling that we did in, co in conjunction with Ipsos, is that listing intentions on the part of investors are, are, are ticking upwards and there could be a variety of reasons for that. But, you know, with this in mind, I mean, here's a scenario. Someone wants to sell a residential property in Ontario and that property has a tenant. Uh, the potential buyer, buyer, though, they want a vacant property without a tenant. And, and so my understanding is that there are two legal options that, that a seller could consider 
using to to remove that tenant they could serve the tenant with uh either an n12 or an n11 form and, and perhaps we could start with the n12 and you could give us a sense of what that form is and how it's used what the steps are and what have you Absolutely. So anytime an agent calls me and they say, well, I'm trying to list this, uh, list and sell a tenanted property. How do I get the tenant out? And I say to them, firstly, there is no notice that exists to get the tenant out because the realtor wants to list the property or because the seller has intentions. It doesn't exist. Okay. So what can be done? And, and I always give them two options. Option number one is the N12 notice only upon the receipt and acceptance of a firm agreement of purchase and sale. And option number two, which is the cash for keys, and that is inclusive of the N11. But let's talk about the N12. The N12 is a notice to end the tenancy for the landlord or new purchaser's own use. So for the purpose of this uh, conversation, we'll talk about the N12 in reference to the purchaser's own use. Okay. There are certain requirements of that notice that must be fulfilled, okay? So number one, if the property has three units or less, okay? So okay. Uh, an N12 cannot be used for the purchaser's own use if it's more than four units, okay? okay? Number two, you have to have a firm agreement of purchase and sale, not a conditional because conditions are exit clauses. So it has to be firm. Right. Number three, a requirement of the N-12 is compensation. In accordance to the act, compensation equivalent to one month's rent has to be paid on or before the termination date in the N-12. Okay. Whether or not that tenant vacates. And a lot of agents call me back and they say, well, you know, what do you mean? Uh, whether or not the tenant vacates, why do we have to pay them? Because it's a requirement. And similar to the agreement of purchase and sale, what happens if you don't fulfill conditions? That offer becomes null and void. Right. Same thing with the N12. If you don't fulfill the comp compensation condition or requirement, that notice becomes void. So the tenant has the right to remain in the property until a hearing date is held. They have the right to be heard, okay? And the reason why I say that is because the sale of the property is not relevant to the tenancy. Right, okay. Think about it this way. So what's in it for me, Jason? Why am I going to vacate my property? So you, my home, okay? It's your property. It's my home for you because you want to sell it. Who is going to benefit? I, as a tenant, have to incur costs. Yep. I have to pay movers. I have to uproot my family. I have to pay more in rent because you want to capitalize on the hot market, right? The board doesn't care about all that. The board right. views it as, you know, does the purchaser in good faith and with clean hands require the property for their own possession, right? That seller now has to serve, serve the tenant with the N12, fulfill conditions, file that notice with the board and then play the waiting game. I to see. Be and that's that's very interesting, right? So, you know, I, I, we, 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 we cover off those three uh, steps, let's say, um, yeah. you know, we got a firm deal, we pay the one month's rent um, and then we still have to go to the board and have this, have this hearing. And so I have a firm yeah. deal as a, as a buyer um, you know, my hope is, is that, you know, by going through this N12 process, I'm going to get to eventually, you know, occupy and, and call that my home now, but, <laughs> but can that go sideways when you go to the board? It can, 
because now you have to convince the board. You see, only the board has the power to end the tenancy. So now you have to convince the board that you require the property for your own use. Okay, which leads me into option number two. What's the alternative? If right. I have to wait seven to eight months, I mean, what's the alternative? The alternative is cash for keys. And cash for keys is basically offering a buyout with the N11 okay. to the tenant. You see, the N11 is an agreement to end the tenancy. Remember the three ways to end tenancy? Uh, Notice by the tenant, mutual agreement, and court order, right? Okay. N11 falls under mutual agreement. Okay. It's it's not extortion. (laughs) Many people think it's extortion. No, it's not. It's a settlement. And I recommend the cash for keys to be to be executed, done, and have the tenant moved out prior to listing the property. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Number one, you're not going to have any problems with accessing the property. Right. Number two, you can take photos and videos without any interruptions from the tenant or interference from the tenant. Number three, the seller can do whatever they want. They can paint, they can stage, they can do some repairs. Uh, Number four, the agent can hold an in-person open house, give it curb appeal. And number five, the most important, Jason, is you're not going to have any issues with vacant possession, providing vacant possession. So let me ask you though, and, and this is maybe applies to both the N11 and the N12 option. Um, you know, over the last couple of years, we've seen an extremely tight rental market. We're seeing double-digit growth in rents. Um, so, you know, how how many instances are you seeing where where people are able to you know get what they want either through the N12 or the N11 process versus you know this this winding up at the board as the number of hearings in, in these scenarios increased over the last couple of years or it, it actually has increased. And we find, the d- depending on which option the landlord chooses to uh, explore, it really depends on their relationship with the tenant. Right. And I'll tell you why. So if the landlord and tenant have a sticky relationship, they don't like one another, they've had yeah. some issues in the past, that tenant is highly likely to take a position and say, I'm not moving. Or I want 20000 yeah. 30000 But yeah. if that landlord and tenant relationship has always been amicable, if they respect one another, there's never been any issues, and we get involved, we find that usually the tenant will agree to leave because it's either they agree to leave with cash in hand that right. will you know, offset their, some of their expenses, or they will have to leave inevitably if we go to the board now with one month's rent. Right. Right. So, yeah, it, it makes sense as long as, you know, there's an offer that's uh, that, that's reasonable that both parties yeah. can um, can live with. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. And so, I mean, we've done a, we've had a lot of discussion here about the scenario where an end user wants to purchase the, the, the unit, they're going to live in it. And so obviously they have to deal with that, that tenant situation. There's a couple different avenues um, that they can follow. But, you know, there, there's another scenario where one investor wants to buy the unit from another investor. Um, and, and so in that scenario, they may want the tenant to stay on because obviously then, you know, their costs of finding a new tenant, et cetera, um, would be reduced or, 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 or totally eliminated. So how does that scenario unfold when, you know, one investor is buying from another and they want to keep the existing tenant? So if they want to keep the existing tenant, they will assume the tenancy. Okay. And upon assumption of a tenancy, 
The only thing that changes is where the rent is sent to and to whom it's paid. That's it. Investors or new buyers who become the landlord cannot increase the rent. They cannot get the, the tenant to sign a new lease. Nothing changes except for where the rent is directed to and to whom. That's it. So what happens though, let's say for example, you know, you're an existing owner and you're renting it out to, to someone and then I want to buy it. And that someone doesn't like me for whatever reason. They're like, you know what? I, I, I trusted uh, Bita, uh, but I don't like Jason so much. And I'm still within the first 12 months, say, of my 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 lease agreement. Is there any recourse for the for the renter on that side? Or or you know, I assume the uh the, the, the agreement and, and that's just the way it is for the tenure of that agreement. That's it. You don't all, you're not always going to like your landlord and you're not always going to like your tenant. Um, I even have issues with my own tenants, right? Some I like, some I don't, but you have to work with it. It is what it is. Um, yeah. If one party doesn't like each other, they're not, you know, the, the buyer of course has to honor the lease. You have to right. honor the lease. You can, unless Jason, you do a cash for keys. Okay. And it's a mutual agreement. Right. So okay. it'd be a similar thing there. You could turn to that as Got a, a, a mediator. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, so you know, when when a when a when a property transfers, you know, one of the things is obviously there's a statement of adjustments on closing. Um, so how does all of this, you know, if, if you're assuming a tenant, how does that get dealt with, you know, specifically on a on a statement of adjustments or or does it? It does. And the reason why the statement of adjustments is important is because it will reflect any monies that are held by the seller, who's the landlord, that is supposed to be credited to the buyer who will be the new landlord. That includes any deposits, including a last month's rent deposit or any key deposit that needs to be reflected. And it's important for buyer agents out there to include a direction in the agreement of purchase and sale directing the lawyers to include in the statement of adjustments any monies that are currently held by the seller landlord to be credited to the buyer. I it's see. very important, right? Uh, makes a lot of sense. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of moving parts in, in all Lots these scenarios we're talking about. Um, and, and you know what, we, we've talked so far about, you know, the sale of a property, either to an end user or another investor. Um, but a, another area where realtors obviously help their clients in, you know, tens of thousands of transactions is, you know, I buy a unit, maybe it's vacant right now, but I want to rent it out. I want to rent it out to a, to a new tenant. Uh, I'm not assuming a tenant. So, you know, what are the key things to think about and, and, and how can a realtor, I guess, legally help a potential buyer, you know, screen or sorry, a potential landlord screen um, for, for tenants? What, what are the, you know, sort of do's and don'ts and maybe even hard no's in that scenario? Okay, so let's talk about that. Uh, I have a whole course for that one. So, <laughs> so what uh, what you can lawfully, legally ask for when you're vetting tenants is the source of income. Okay, now a lot of agents ask for uh, a letter of employment. A letter of employment is a source of income. It's okay. not the only source of income. Right? right. And I'll tell you, if you if the agents are asking for things that are specific, they can often find that it's contrary to what the human rights code is okay. in regards to housing. So uh, agents can ask for the source of income. OK, uh, they can ask for a credit report. They can ask for a rental application. 
okay? okay. Things like um, a SIN number, um, a photo ID, uh, what else? Um, pay stubs. These are not required to be uh, provided by the tenant. In okay. fact, I had an agent call me just last week and they said, you know, uh, we had the tenant provide all this information, including photo ID. And um, really what happened was they couldn't, their, their income, their source of income was not high enough to carry the expenses. But we had rejected, and based on that, we had rejected the application. And the tenant called us and said, you rejected me because of my photo ID. Oh, I see. You discriminated and against the, the agent and the brokerage. Because remember, as agents, you are representatives of the brokerage. You represent XYZ brokerage. So anything they do reflects on the brokerage. And that brokerage, I hate to say it, has a, now a human rights complaint against them. Right. So, I mean, it's, right? it's, it's, it, it, it cuts both ways. I mean, obviously, you yeah. know, as a, as a potential renter, um, there's a limit to what I can be asked to provide. And that seems reasonable, you know, vis-a-vis -vis privacy, et cetera. Uh, but then on the other side, you know, you also want to be careful what you're asking for because there can, you know, the situation can be misconstrued at the same time. Right. That's exactly it. Yep. Now, there's also the, the 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 question of rent deposits, and certainly, you know, I'm not an expert in in, in renting a property. I haven't I haven't done so myself in terms of you know renting one out, and and I can't remember what the scenario was the last time I rented a a place to live. But you know, what 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 can legally be asked for in terms of deposits? Okay, in terms of deposits, the law says that a landlord can request and hold uh, a deposit in the amount of one month's rent and to be applied to the last month of the tenancy, okay. okay? With the exception of a key deposit, a refundable key deposit. So other deposits like security deposits, light bulb deposits, pet deposits, damage deposits, these are all considered illegal deposits. Okay. And even if the tenant agrees to provide one at the time of signing, which we're finding a lot of tenants doing just because they want to they want to secure that rental property. Right. They can bring an application against the landlord and request a refund of all those monies. I see. Right. Um, and so, what is the recourse then? So, for example, I mean, you know, if you don't know the law and you say, "Well, look, and I want some kind of damage deposit because I might have to go into the unit after you vacate at some point down the road," and paint the walls and fix things you may have broken. Um, but if, if I can't, you know, uh, collect some kind of deposit as a, I guess a bit of insurance against, against that happening, I mean, what's my recourse? Essentially, you have to take legal action at some point down the road once that tenant vacates and you realize that there's damage? Or? That's a great question. And here's what I tell my landlords and my realtors. I, in fact, I tell my agents to tell their clients Anytime you purchase real estate for the purpose of rental income mm -hmm. or taking on a risk, right? Sure. We can all agree to that. Whether you're buying it for yourself or whether you're buying it to rent, you're taking on a risk. And you have to treat these rental properties like a business. And in business, we have certain expenses, right? right? The risk is not just non-payment of rent. It could be anything. It could be interest rates going up. It could be market conditions. It could be the tenant setting fire to your property. These are all risks. Right. But, but the law says if you have an issue with the tenant, you have to pursue an application through the board. 
Okay. So if, you, if there are damages, you pursue a damages application. If there's non-payment of rent, non-payment of rent application. Got it. Um, and, you know, and this is great information. I think there's, you know, probably a lot of people out there that that aren't necessarily up on all the ins and outs of this. And, you know, it's been a great and informative conversation in, in, in that regard, but we are, you know, getting close to the end of our, our time today. But I guess the final question I want to ask you is a bit of a catch-all. Um, you know, so, so what are some of the common pitfalls or considerations that we haven't talked about today, but you think, you know, either buyers or sellers of tenanted properties need to be aware of? That's a great question. Well, buyers, first of all, buyers and sellers really need to be aware that it's difficult to sell a tenanted property. And it's difficult to be able to guarantee vacant possession when the tenant is in control of that possession. Right. There's only two options available to buyers and sellers. Well, okay, collectively or, or individually or whatever the case is. That is the N12 notice only upon a firm sale or cash for case, right? Right. That's the only options that they have. Otherwise, uh, if they don't do a cash for keys, they're at the mercy of the board. Okay. And the current delays right now to just get a notice of hearing is seven to eight months. Right. So that can make it really difficult to, yeah. to, to get a deal yeah. done unless you have a really patient buyer. Oh yeah. But you know what, Jason, real estate is still the best investment the best investment, whether you have a difficult tenant, I mean, the tenant we can always deal with. I always say to the buyer or the, and the seller, because sometimes sellers get discouraged and they say, I, I just want to get rid of the property. I don't want to be a landlord anymore. There's no other way to build generational wealth than owning real estate, right? So it's still the best investment. Don't get discouraged from buying or becoming a landlord because the tenant is giving you a hard time. Because any, just like any other business, for those of us who are business owners, there's always risk. Right. And that makes sense. And, and obviously there's return associated with that risk. And, you know, thinking, you know, over the longer term, we're seeing record levels of immigration into Canada. And a lot of those households are focused on the GTA and they're going to require a place to live. And so, you know, it makes sense that there's a lot of people out there interested in investing in real estate. And certainly, you know, a lot of Treads member realtors um, are there to help them out. So Vita Delisi, I really want to thank you so much for, for coming on the, the show today and for so clearly outlining what landlords and prospective landlords need to know. Uh, before buying or selling tenanted properties. So thanks very much. Thank you for having me. And make sure you don't miss an episode. Subscribe to Trev's Ready to Real Estate podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time. That's it for us. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media and visit our website, treb.ca. That's T-R-R-E-B.ca to find market insights and more. This has been another episode of Ready to Real Estate. Thanks for tuning in.